Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here, one of our longest running shows, Changing the Game with Digital Engagement. Bonnie in the house, I have a panel of three very smart, sharp, savvy social media people, and we're going to talk about what you need to do to climb above the noise. Our topic today is officially social media marketing, a.k.a building a boat while you're sailing it. Think about that. Let me give you a little background here. Buzz number one, I have a quote from Jay Bayer at Convince Marketing. He says, social media allows big companies to act small again. That's an interesting idea. Here's buzz number two from Jeff Bezos. You all know who he is. And he says, if you make customers unhappy in the physical world, they might each tell six friends. If you make customers unhappy on the internet, they can each tell, we're getting a lot of feedback here. They can each tell 6,000 friends. We know the value of social media marketing. And buzz number three is from Eric Qualman, the author of The Focus Project. He says, you don't have a choice on whether we do social media. The question is how well we do it. And that's the focus of our topic today. Let me give you a little more background before my three special experts explain who they are and why they're here. Social media has dramatically affected how we navigate every aspect of our personal lives and its impact on marketing is no exception. We are talking today, by the way, to our global audience of people who are doing digital marketing. For example, think about it. Social media catalyzed the transition from push to pull centric marketing. And those of you who've been around a while know what that means. Don't we, Mike Greenhead, we'll talk about that. According to MIT Sloan professor Sinan Aral, quote, social media is rewiring the central nervous system of humanity in real time. We're now at a crossroads between its promise and its peril. So what does this crossroads mean to all of you in our listening audience? It is forcing marketers to sail a boat. This is Sylvie Lexauer with us, and this was this is her metaphor for what we're talking about today. It's forcing marketers to sail a boat they're still building while battling the stormy seas of short attention spans, political correctness, new channels opening up all the time, and other powerful waves. And Sylvie says, "Arg." Arg, matey. Those of you who know nautical lingo, that's arg, matey. What impact will all of this have on the future of social media marketing? We have social media agency owner and expert, Janet e. Johnson. Janet, if anybody sees the video, wave hello. There she is. We have Mike Grehan at Acronym. There he is. Hi, Mike. And we are supposed to have Anna Millman at SAP, but due to technical difficulties, Sylvie Lexow, who is our showrunner, is sitting in. Wave hello. Sylvie, we're going to ask them for tips to help your social media marketing stand out a Amid the high seas noise, can you hear the waves crashing, everybody? Can you hear the high winds, the stormy seas, and find friendly trade winds? So stick around for social media marketing, a.k.a. building your boat while sailing. Again, Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here. Let's go around the table. I'm going to ask each of my special guests to introduce themselves. About three minutes is what we're going to give them, and I'm going to put you, Janet E. Johnson, welcome. I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view so everybody, if they eventually see the video, can see you. Janet, welcome. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what's your passion for our topic. Janet, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bonnie. I appreciate it. Um, Well, to start with my background, I started in online marketing in 1998. And it's kind of a funny story. I started by selling on eBay back before Amazon. Well, Amazon might have existed, but eBay was the thing. So started selling and um, I actually started buying. It's kind of when the internet started and I love shopping. So I started buying, but then I realized there's a way to make money on this thing. So I switched it to selling. And then after that, what I did was love the internet. That business I gave up on, things changed and moved on to SEO. Um, MySpace, I'm aging myself here, but MySpace was a thing back then. And Facebook was uncool way back when I started. But then it transitioned. And over the years, I moved from SEO, doing 
every single social media site and over the years transitioned to really focusing in on Facebook and Instagram, which yesterday was not very fun. But it's a, <laughs> it's a transition that, that I made for my business. And then over that time, I also ended up doing paid advertising with Facebook and Instagram, even more of a focus than even the overall organic reach and that kind of thing. So that's my background. I've loved the internet for years. It's, you know, it's my passion. I love teaching people because I actually have an elementary education degree. So I love talking about the internet, but I, you know, shifted my life and shifted my business over time. Thank you very much, Janet. Happy to meet you. Glad you are here. Looking forward to some really interesting tips and strategies from you for our listeners. Mike Grehan, welcome back. What has it been? A couple of days, a couple of weeks? Seems like forever you've been on the show. Mike, welcome. And would you please, Mike, I'm guessing since the last time you were here, I'm guessing there might be 8.3 people who don't remember you. So let's just say <laughs> shame on them. I'm counting, especially the point three. Those are the ones I'm really targeting. So, Mike, would you do us the honor of reintroducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, your company, and what's your passion for our topic. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you. I've spoken to many audiences before, but never point three. But I'll do my <laughs> best. <Yeah. laughs> So, uh, yeah, great to be back again. Um, uh, like Janet, I came on very early, but I was like 1995, so just a little bit ahead. And when I tell people that I started my uh, internet marketing consultancy in 1995, people tend to think, wow, what a visionary, what a great thing. I think, what a dumbass. Nobody wanted an internet consultant in 1995. <laughs> just trying to convince people what it was. So when I actually first started uh, doing my with my internet business was trying to convince people that they should have a website site and they couldn't figure that one out to begin with so most of the time it was convincing them this old box you have in the corner called a fax machine you don't need that anymore there's this thing called email okay so i swear my first clients was showing them how to unplug the fax uh, and i put a potted plant on and say that's great for that now there's this thing called email you'll be able to do that you know um, but yeah, so we did get involved in web design very early on. It was very, very basic. But by around about 1998, I was doing nothing but search. And that was basically because some of the clients that I had came to me and they said, you know, Mike, we've been to this thing called Alta Vista. And uh, it's called a search engine. And we did some searches there. And we could see all of our competitors were there, but we, we couldn't find ourselves and our own products and services. Why do you think that is? And I would say, well, because it's a terrible search engine, I suppose. <laughs> and just put the blame all on Alta Vista. Anyway, I became fascinated in looking at uh, information retrieval because it was kind of very much attached to um, looking at consumer behavior. So that's when I started this mission on trying to understand more about uh, information retrieval. This, uh, you know, what Google was doing was literally satisfying the human need for information. People don't realize Google wasn't invented to send traffic to your website. It was for to satisfy that uh, human need for information, you know. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, just last month in September, I celebrated the 20th anniversary of writing the very first book, comprehensive book on SEO. And, you know, people say, wow, it must be full of cobwebs. But there's actually still some stuff in there from 20 years ago that's still pretty relevant, you know. So that's where I uh, started in uh, search. Uh, I uh, uh, built... Uh, a couple of uh, small uh, agencies uh, sold one to a company called iProspect in the US, which is how I uh, transferred my British accent into New York, which is where I am now. Uh, and I've been working in search ever since. I was publisher of Search Engine Watch and ClickZ.com, which two very big resources for uh, digital marketers. I ran the largest uh, conference uh, in the industry. And uh, now I'm happy to be the CMO managing director with Acronym, the largest independent search agency on planet Earth. Um, and my favorite client is SAP. What a coincidence. There Mike, I, I love the comments about what do you do with the old fax machine. And Mike, it shocks me. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of feedback from somebody's audio. Janet, would you mute for me just for a second here? Thank you. Let's see if it's you. Mike, I still see people's email signatures that say fax colon fax. with a fax number. <laughs> I want to ask what planet? 
are they on? <laughs> Seriously, that they still have. And I know there were e-fax services, and I actually had to use one for a legal document last year. But I accepted their free one-month trial. I used it for one fax, and then I canceled the trial because I didn't need it. Mike, there were no cobwebs on, and you're talking about AltaVista as a search engine. I think half the people listening to us around the world today have no idea what you're talking about. What AltaVista is. But here's the interesting thing. The same people that I was talking to about, you know, you're going to get out of this idea of uh, fax machines and into email. Those are the same people who receive an email and then print it. And I go, no, that's not the point of email. (laughs) But moving on. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm still waiting for the day when email will become an accepted verb where people say, I'm going to email you rather then I'm going to send you an email going from yep. noun to verb. I will email you rather than I will send you an email. Okay, let's just leave that alone. Mike, thank you. I love the sense of humor. I don't think I still have a fax machine here. I've got a lot of old Macintoshes sitting around and they get dusty. Sylvie Lexo, we're so happy to have you here and you are sitting in for our supposed to be here panelist Anna Millman from SAP who had technical difficulties and Mike is sitting in for Olivia Perez Brilland who was supposed to be here but had a family emergency. So this is a day of people changing their hats, right? Sylvie, I'm putting you on full speaker view. Would you please remind everyone what you do? I see from your title, of course, you're digital enablement strategist at SAP and you work with Kirsten Boileau, the longtime sponsor of the series. Sylvie, reintroduce yourself, please. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm Sylvie Lexo. Um, I'm one of the people who uses, I'm going to email you as a verb. So um, <laughs> there you go, if that tells you anything about me. Um, I, uh, I joined SAP a little over a year and a half ago. Um, I work in the marketing and solutions board area, creating learning content uh, for the organization. Um, I studied dance and psychology uh, at the College of Charleston, so not marketing, um, but I am a, I think it's Gen Z millennial cusper, so um, I've grown up in the age of computers, and uh, obviously social media is heavily influenced in everything that I do socially, not necessarily in my job, per se, but um, in everything I do socially. Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. I have to say, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I thought Sylvie was going to start by saying I'm one of those people who uses a fax machine. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Germans might use it because they require all like physical paper, but that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, I, those old Macs that you've got, Bonnie, Janet can sell them on eBay for you. There you go. Oh, I'm in, I'm in eBay. Janet, I was selling on eBay so much that I went to my local adult ed teaching area in, in Great Neck, Long Island, and I said, I'd like to teach eBay. And they said, we just fired our eBay teacher. We didn't like him. I said, I didn't know adult ed could fire anybody. They said, the class starts in seven days. You've got it. It's got full. It. It's, it's a computer full. lab with six six PCs. Pick your own curriculum and start. I taught one of the most popular eBay selling classes. Oh. It was packed for about five years. I taught for adult ed because oh. I was out of work and I was selling things because I needed a little extra income in between jobs. So Janet, I identify with that. I know what that means. So uh, yes, so sometimes uh, the need and the funny thing is the first thing I sold was a uh, ceramic pitcher, the kind of pictures you pour drinks from. Somebody gave my mother a picture, a pitcher, and it had a little pink and blue and green cat painted on it. And it was made from, I think it was Arabia Ware. It turns out it was one of the most popular items in Scandinavia that year. My mother got it as a gift. She said, here, try to sell this. I put it on eBay. It went for $75, and I think I shipped it to Norway. People were falling over themselves bidding on this thing, and that's when I learned the magic of eBay. And I said, hey, if I can do it, I can teach it. And that's so I, I identify so many good thoughts here. And Mike, the idea that Sylvie would have a fax machine, she, she's, about 14, she's about 14 years old. Come on, we're, Sylvie, I'm complimenting you. Now, I have to add real quick, I ended up quitting eBay because I didn't realize I was selling high-end clothing 
that was fake and I didn't even know it was fake and it got com- five grand worth of product got confiscated at the border Ooh. and then I gave up because I'm like you know what because it was hard to get the product but it was great while it lasted and I always had all this high-end clothing and I'd keep some for myself so anyway <laughs> you go. necessity is the mother of somebody's closet with high-end things in it right we'll just leave that one alone let's go to the quote part of the show I've asked my guest and it, Sylvie we're having way too much fun I don't know I think we should just call the whole thing off here uh, uh, Janet E. Johnson, I'm using your middle name, middle initial, I go by Bonnie D., you're Janet E. today. Janet, I asked all my guests to send me a quote from a fictional character, Mike Grehan, a fictional character from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has nothing to do with our topic today. And they're going to tell us how, in their own words, it does have to do with the topic. Janet has picked Show Me the Money from Jerry Maguire, played by Tom Cruise, 1996 American romantic comedy drama sports film. Interesting, they put romantic ahead of sports, which most of us think of, and drama and comedy. Uh, written, produced, and directed by Cameron Crowe, starring Cuba, in addition to Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger, and Regina King, and produced in part by longtime Simpsons producer James L. Brooks. <coughs> Great movie. Here's the quote again. Show me the money, Janet E. Johnson. What does this have to do with our topic today? Go ahead. Three minutes. Talk to me. When, I, when we talk to clients, what do they want? What, I mean, why are all of us doing social media marketing in the first place to make sales and grow a business? So it just makes sense. The number one thing that any client talks about or any, any company talks about any business is, you know, how is this going to turn into a return on investment? So they want to return. So that's, I mean, that's the basics of it. I mean, show me the money. If people come to any of us and want us to work with them, they are looking to have us help them get, make more money on the internet. That's what social media marketing is for. I mean, really. But we, you know, we talk about engagement. We talk about impressions. We talk about all these other things. But the bottom line is, those don't matter if you're not making money with your social media. So I do think, I mean, that kind of can bring up a whole nother topic that we, many companies are focusing on the wrong uh, data. They're focusing on the wrong things and the wrong goals when it comes to social media. So show me the money. If you're not seeing the money, you know what? You better shift, shift things and make, make a change with what you're doing with social media. Thank you. There's a reality check. There's one of our tips and tricks and strategies. If you're not making the money from it, do something else. Mike Rehan has sent us a very iconic quote. I have no idea what it has to do with our topic. The quote is from fictional British Secret Service agent, a.k.a. 007. It was actually James Bond. And the quote is, the name's Bond, James Bond. I could still see Sean Connery saying that in one of the movies. You got the part. (laughs) I know. Thank you. Just what I wanted. Actually, uh, Mike, the character was created by Ian Fleming in 1953, and he featured Bond in 12 novels and two short story collections, and we know they were turned into movies. Eight other authors have written authorized Bond novels, including Kingsley Amos, Christopher Wood, John Gardner, Raymond Benson, Sebastian Fox, Jeffrey Deaver, William Boyd, and Anthony Harwitz. There's not a female writer in that entire list. I don't know why. Anyway... <laughs> Interesting. So Bond has been used way past Ian Fleming. So the name's Bond, James Bond. What does this have to do with our topic, Mr. Mike? Talk to me. Well, how do you know that Ian Fleming wasn't just a nom de plume and that could have been a woman? How do you know? Put etra, put etra. There you go. So it's it's really kind of interesting, not just because it's current with this uh, new Bond movie coming out, but uh, it taught me a lesson about brands. It taught me a lesson about how brand stories evolve. And I'm passionate about brands, but very much about brand storytelling. And of course, the best place to be able to do this is through social media. That's part of how you become, you know, involved in somebody else's life. Uh, how, how could you make that connection? Uh, many times I've talked to people, to uh, clients, and they talk about um, evolving the brand, uh, you know, making it more current, making it more modern. A lot of what they talk about is actually just corporate ID change. It's image change more than anything else. Um, but they'll still use, because we use these terms interchangeably, you know, we use the terms, um, uh, you know, rebranding um, and then changing the logo, which are two entirely different things. So it's interesting you mentioned Ian Fleming because I was a kid 
way back then when the first James Bond movie was made. Um, and I do remember vividly, my father had read the Ian Fleming books. And when the movie came out and he saw the movie, like many other people, because you get this perception in your mind reading the book, what James Bond would look like, nobody expected it to look like Sean Connery. And there were so many people who said, that's not James Bond. That's not the way that Fleming described him. He wasn't like a Scotsman trying to speak English and all of these kind of things, yes? Um, so it took a little while for people to get used to the character. But over the years, so many people have played the role of James Bond. And the franchise itself is responsible for being able to do this through this one line. And it was just magic, okay? And it is that line. And the line is, the name's Bond. James Bond, okay? So what happens is you see Sean Connery say that, okay? And you've got used to the idea. And then the franchise can take an entirely different guy, completely different image, put him in there. And then very early on at the beginning of the film, he'll say exactly the same line. He's there with the tuxedo. He'll say, the name's Bond, James Bond. And so it goes. And the minute that people do that, the minute the actor does that, you become resolved to the fact that this is James Bond. So like a great brand, the characteristics of the brand remain, you know, shaken, not stirred, the gun, the, the whole thing. And yet it's a completely different character playing it. So I think if you look at that, the way that A, Cubby Broccoli was able to take that franchise and then move it with, uh, you know, every change. I mean, I saw James Bond go to the moon. Ian Fleming didn't have any stories about Bond on the moon. He became a Kung Fu star, and now he's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Nobody expected that. But as long as he begins at the beginning, at the very beginning of the movie, and just says those words, the name's Bond, James Bond, I'm satisfied with that. So from a storytelling point of view, think about it that way. The way that that character has evolved, the way the image has changed, the brand the franchise and the characteristics all remain. Mike, I have to say that was probably one of the most brilliant uh, explanations of a quote in the history of the show. And I want to give a little level setting here. The James Bond films are the longest continuously running film series of all time. To your point, Mike, have grossed over $7.4 billion in total, making it the sixth highest grossing film series to date. And it all started in 1962. You said that's when you were a teenager. And to your point, so many people have played James Bond. They've all been males, we haven't had a Jamie Bond yet, but we've had Sean Connery, still my favorite. We've had Daniel Craig. We've had um, uh, Pierce Brosnan. We've had uh, Roger Moore and several others in there. And you're right. The perception is that doesn't look like James Bond. Does that sound like James Bond? But he says that line, Bond. And the characteristics Bond. are all there. So, so here's an interesting analogy. Just turn it this way around. Uh, another great line from a movie, yeah, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, these are not the droids you're looking for. Everybody, and they use that, okay? But when Ewan McGregor played <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, if he'd said those words, nah, that's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. There you go. <laughs> but if Ewan, McGregor, if Ewan McGregor played James Bond and said, the name's Bond, James Bond. Oh, he's James Bond. That's fine, you know. That's how beautiful the franchise, the character, the, the way that they've built it. So think about, about your brand yes. and the brand storytelling. And, you know, yeah, it started in 1962. And then all of a sudden he's on the moon. And then the next thing he's on the Internet. And, you know, Bond's like 200 years old now, but he's still going, you know. There you go. Thank you. And so important to the idea of brand as being consistent and recognizable, right? Recognizable and consistent. Still in being able to evolve. Yes. Uh, you yes. deal with the image yes. without having yes. to rebrand. That's a different thing. And if you think of it, how clever of the James Bond franchise to say we can change actors every five or eight or three years and it'll still be the name is Bond, James Bond. So that's a very interesting marketing tactic. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciated that. Sylvie Lexow, I know you've got some people in the background there mowing or doing something outside. We're just going to ignore them and put you on here. You are sitting in again for Anna Millman, and the quote Anna has selected for us today is a very interesting one, very iconic as well. It's from Dorothy Gale. People saying, who's Dorothy Gale? Played by Judy Garland. You've all heard her name. And uh, the dog, Toto, played by Terry, who 
was a female Cairn Terrier owned and trained by, by Carl Spitz, who lived from 1933 to 45. They actually have the dog's name and age and a day, date of birth and death on Wikipedia. The Wizard of Oz, 1939 American musical fantasy film. And here's the quote. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Okay, Sylvie, sitting in for Anna Millman. Okay, talk to us. What does this have to do with branding, with social media marketing? Sylvie, you're up. Yeah, well, I mean, a, a little similar to Mike's point about storytelling, but, um, you know, the way that uh, they completely change, you know, from black and white to technicolor is an iconic, you know, way of storytelling um, that mostly, obviously, like not many people have done since then. However, um, it's iconic of that movie. Uh, and very much the quote is, uh, reminiscent of social media in terms of, you know, going with the arg metis, uh nautical theme here, uh, you know, building the boat while still sailing. Uh, you're completely on uncharted waters. Um, it's complete, continuing to evolve. Um, and so we're going to continue to see that change and have that feeling uh, for the foreseeable future. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And I do want to do a shout out again to Olivia Perez Breland, who was planning to be here and had a family emergency. Mike, you are sitting in for you agreed very last minute to join us. And I know that when we get to now the discussion part of the show roundtable, you are riffing off or using some of the information that Olivia had created for us. And we appreciate the work she did and you as well. Janity Johnson, I'm going to combine your statements one, two, and three, because I think they all go together. I'm just going to read them. You know what they say. And then I'm going to ask you to spend about three minutes explaining, expanding, unpacking, Janet. And then we will ask Mike Grehan and Sylvie Lexo each to come in and agree or disagree with what you say. Let's keep it tight in the responses because I want to make sure we get a lot of content here. So here's what Janet told me. She says in 1920, I'm sorry. Whoa, my back in the day, Mike. 2021. Hello. That's where we are today. We're live. It's October 5th, 2021. I'm back in James Bond era. And I don't remember the first movie, Mike. Thank you very much. 2021. Now it is very difficult to get results and an ROI return on investment with organic only. Janet says paid is necessary as well. Paid advertising gives you the capability to test and see results fast so you can shift and get to the ROI. I'm going to stop there. There's more. Janet, putting you on full screen view. Please unpack this. Mike, get ready to pounce in and agree or disagree. And then Sylvie. Janet, you're up. Yeah. I mean, as we all know, reach has gone down and Facebook right now, the if the recent stats have been less than 4%, but I think it's even probably less than that. It's more like 2%. Of the people who like your page, they're moving that to followers, but people who like the page actually see your content. So what does that mean? You can spend a lot of time, and some companies do this. I mean, there are some businesses that do this. You can spend a lot of time posting. We're talking five, six, seven, ten times per day to post to get that organic reach now. Or you can choose to do the paid advertising side, which in my mind, my thought, my opinion is Facebook's really an advertising agency. They're an advertising company and their goal is to have you advertise because that's where they make their money. Instagram's moving. You know, you can get a little bit more organic reach there, but not a whole lot. So really paid advertising makes a lot of sense. It's where you have control. It's where you can target a new audience, a very specific audience, so that you can reach a, people that you know who you're reaching versus just a guessing game. Who's going to like my page? I don't know. You know, some random person. But you can take and target that person directly. Plus, in addition to that, you can test and test and test and learn from the data to shift things, to move, to get that return on investment. Facebook ad and Instagram advertising work. You just need to sometimes shift, test and shift to, to get there. But that's where you'll get the true return on investment. 
Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Mike Rehan, agree or disagree? And by the way, Janet is a very nice person. And she said to me, if you disagree with her, it's okay. (laughs) All right. So go ahead, Mike. Unleash the Mike Rehan on us. (laughs) Well, thank you for placing that cushion. (laughs) Uh, It's one of those uh, yes and uh, no things, you know, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, first of all, uh, with all of the talk about social media, like anything else that you see online that has the word free next to it, it denotes one thing, you are the product and you are being sold. Yes. So I think people are beginning to understand that now, particularly um, you know, without getting into the politics and that kind of thing, of having all of these messages pushed in front of them just because they happen to click on this or they happen to think I haven't had this to eat for a long time or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you start seeing those ads. So I think on the one hand, um, yeah, it's a great way of being able to connect with people. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't know that people are actually using it to be sold to in the first place. And then that brings you to the next point. Um, which is uh, just take a look at the data. And this doesn't apply just to uh, Facebook or social media. It's pretty much all uh, advertising online where it's based on the data. And because we're marketers and involved in sales as well, and we start thinking about targeting, we start to target so narrow, so narrow, so narrow, so tightly. And you can do that on Facebook, right down. I only want to speak to people in the, you know, southern part of New York State who have goldfish, whatever it is. Yeah, you can target that narrowly. Um, And then what happens is you actually end up targeting the people who were going to buy from you anyway. Okay, and that's why you were seeing some of those signals. So what happens then is that you've been targeting so narrowly that the people who don't know what your brand is don't get to see the message. So trying to get this balance right between being able to, you know, cast the net as wide as you possibly can, whilst at the same time keeping the catch as tight as you possibly can, you know, and it's a bit of a balancing act. But, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the way that I look at this Uh, And I say this about everything, generally speaking, from a marketing point of view, stop selling, start helping. So I think as a brand that if you can meet somebody at the beginning of that buyer journey, if you can help them with your social media content, whatever that is, helping them to solve a problem, that by the time that you do get to the checkout, when it does come to the sale, there's a lot less uh, friction. Thank you very much. Good points all. Sylvie Lexo, join us. Thoughts on either what Janet postured for postulated for us and or what mike said sylvia you're up well so i i agree with janet about how um you know paid ultimately you know does bring roi uh however i think like i know for me um and this might be just like a generational thing but it's uh like we're less inclined to click on something that says like ad or sponsor uh because of the fact of not wanting to be like sold to per se. Um, So in that regard, um, you know, I think that there definitely is more of a transition to Instagram over Facebook in that way. Um, But I do agree that I think brands, you know, sometimes posting like 10 times a day uh, just to like get reach on, you know, a good reach on their page on Instagram is not going to, make them any money. Interesting. Janet, anything you want to say back to your co-panelists on those statements? Yeah, I like what Mike said about the building the, even with advertising, we do that typically with building the rapport, solving the problem, educating before you ask for the sale. That's where like the retargeting site comes in. Get Let them know you. That's where video comes in. I mean, I see with Mike, he's got all this video in the, behind him. Tell your, the stories, educate, build a rapport, let them get to know you before you ask for a sale. All this can be done both organically and paid, but paid is just where you have the power, a little bit more power and strategy behind it. Thank you, Janet, for a good conversation start. I have to tell all of you, somehow I got signed up for a newsletter. I won't say which one it is, but it comes in email every couple of days. And very unusual approach. Before they give you the content, it says, would you please support us? Click here to make a donation or sign up for $25. It's the first 
thing they say on every email. I have never seen a request for money before they even told you what they were telling you that you would even want to pay for. And I, I'm shocked because the people who run this are smart and the content is really good. But it says, by the way, would you please subscribe and help us out here? Now, we all know Wikipedia, by the way, is asking for money right now. Again, before you click on this information, please make a donation. I've done that before and I don't know how often they're asking. Anyway, paid, paid, paid. Thank you very much, Janet. Let's go to Mike. Mike has taken some of Olivia's statements and made them into his own. We really appreciate your, your jumping in and doing this last minute, Mike. And I'm going to use statement number Number two here. I'm going to read just a little bit and ask you to unpack it for us. You say there's much talk about quality of content as opposed to quantity. Although frequently some do take the throw as much as you can at the wall and see how much of it sticks approach. But a great place to start is to ask the question, what is content? I'm going to stop there, Mike. I know this is a great topic. Janet is nodding and Sylvie's nodding. Mike, let's see what you're going to do with this one. Go ahead. First of all, I'll tell you about a, a, an equally interesting email experience I had. It was an email that I received from somebody saying that they were married to a Nigerian prince. And they were asking me, well, that didn't work out too well for me, I have to tell you. <laughs> the Nigerian <laughs> just, bank just, scam. Just, yes. just, just, just a little warning going on there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> It's kind of interesting. These things all stitch themselves together, you know, because what Janet was saying before uh, about the organic side and paid side of social, like I say, I came in on the organic side of search because there was no paid search, you know, when you can get the balance between the two of them, this is the really important thing, you know, so that's why I always say with uh, search, the same kind of thing, understanding intent and being able to solve these problems, you know, and a lot of that is tied to what I'm saying here, and it's to do with uh, content as well. So in a previous role that I had, I, I worked for um, uh, what was the uh, the largest uh, search engine uh, optimization company in the industry uh, based in uh, North Carolina, somewhere around about uh, 2003, 2004. And we had perhaps, I don't know, 125 employees, which for a search company back then was really big. And a lot of the people that we brought in uh, were brought in to help develop content because obviously you have to feed the beast and that's what they're still saying. Yeah. And what I found was really interesting back then is that each time somebody would come in and I was head of content uh, and I would interview them um, and I would say, you know, what kind of content, um, what is it that you think that we need to create? I mean, basically the question is, what is content? And invariably, everybody would start by saying, oh, it's compelling headlines, it's text, it's this, that and the other. And I would say, what about video? What about images? What about a tool? What about understanding the intent behind the query and then trying to create a content experience that goes with it? So the same thing applies. You know, I work with our social media team, working with their clients um, at the agency um, and, and try to explain this the whole notion of what is content. As I've said, content could actually be a great tool. You know, you've got a bunch of developers. Why do you sit and do all of this text? You could build a great tool. If your client is a financial institution, b build a mortgage calculator, build something that can help me along the way, because I'll go and click on that. I'll use that, you know, if it's a 30 second video, but always try and understand at which point somebody may be on the journey and then try and create a content experience that goes with that. So always be thinking, you know, is a web page a thing? Is it a video? Is it just a basic image? You know, if it's a technical question, it could be a 150-page PDF document, whatever it is. Sometimes the problem we have in social is the necessity to keep feeding the, be feeding the beast, which then takes you away from the fact that you are the storyteller. So you know what you should be putting in there as the storyteller. And we keep hearing, you know, at the agency we are, you know, the cobbler, the, the cobbler's children have no shoes. So with my own team, there are sometimes, you know, love them as I do, they'll say, you know, we posted this infographic. Why did you post the infographic? Well, we didn't have anything else that day. But what's it got to do with our story? Well, it's not better than posting nothing. No, seriously. Yeah. Think like a publisher. Think like a TV producer, but don't act like one. Don't publish like one. If you've got something to add to the story, that's fine. But don't create content for the sake of creating content, you know? So just try to think about what kind of content experience do I need to create? Then you'll begin to see yourself that when the content experience is the right one, 
That's when, as I've said about these algorithms, I understand a lot about machine learning algorithms, that people prefer that type of content. That's why this is being pushed towards them, you know? Thank you very much, Mike. Let's go around the table and see what your co-panelists have to say. Sylvie, agree or, oh, she's got her headset on. Agree or disagree with Mike. Go ahead, Sylvie. And Mike Mike said it's okay to disagree. I just wanted to clear that with you, Sylvie. And Janet, you'll be after Sylvie. Go ahead, Sylvie. No, I completely agree. Um, and I really liked what you said, uh, like you are the storyteller. And I really think that that um, is a testament to uh, UGC, user-generated content, um, and how valuable that is in conveying the story. Because when it comes down to it, uh, we're much more likely to trust an actual person um, and their testament to a purchase, for example, or their experience with it than with, uh, than, you know, just a standard ad. So... I agree. Thank you very much. Janet, talk to us. I agree too. Um, Quality over quantity is the key. And that kind of goes back to my original statement of, you know, just put, you have to post all these different times of day. It's virtually impossible unless you have a large team. Uh, We need to, businesses need to focus on their businesses especially the smaller businesses and 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 focusing on all posting all this content will lead to a quantity that's not the quality so you're not necessarily talking to your audience the right way and you might not be reaching them i also love the that you brought up video because i'm a big big advocate of video and one of the things i tell uh companies need to learn that what are you getting asked? What what are you getting asked all the time? There's so many frequently asked questions and you can create content and videos around that, those questions and you could go on and on and on forever. So I completely agree with, with Mike on the quality is much, much more important than the quantity. Thank you very much. Mike, anything you want to say back to them before we move on? Uh, no, no. I, I think, uh, like I say, I, I've mentioned this before, you know, from a brand storytelling point of view, I, I always say, and it kind of goes back to the James Bond thing, instead of just thinking like a, a newspaper editor or a, a book author, think like a TV producer. And the story that you're doing, the story that you're telling is actually a TV series. It's a sitcom. It can be whatever it is. Yes, it's an ongoing thing. And then you can draw from around the real world, yeah, uh, and show where you, your brand, your products, your services fit inside that particular world, as opposed to saying, well, people like infographics or like, I mean, I hate infographics. I mean, I wish somebody would introduce me to the guy who invented the infographic. And at the same time, I have an ax in my hand because <laughs> I hate infographics. Um, but, but there is way too much. There is, sorry to the infographic guy. Uh, but there is too much, um, I think, pressure. Um, and Janet kind of touched on it, that we have a business to run. Um, so thinking of new content, um, just take a look at the way that the business rolls anyway. Do we have a trade show coming up? Do we have a new product coming up? You know, did we get a new CEO? Guess what? When the new CEO comes in, tell him to say these words. The name's Bond, James Bond, and just carry on. <laughs> Mike, I'm thinking I need to start a blog, maybe a video, a vlog on the the quotes people have brought to my radio shows over the past yeah. two or three years. And, I think it's a and great idea. What, what do people think? How would they interpret this for marketing or for social selling or for any business strategy, anything like that? Don't steal my idea, any of you now. Listeners, it's okay because I can't see you. I don't know who you are. I want to move on. Right? I'm on the phone to my publisher right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet you are. Maybe we ought to talk about that. I just got an idea for a radio show. I think you're all going to get invited to it for one of my own shows. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, Sylvie, I want to go to Anna's statement number two. This is amplifying what we've been talking about here. I think it's, I know you'll be able to speak to this one. Standing out among the noise. And Anna said, to stand out among all the noise, don't be the noise. On the smallest level, don't cram LinkedIn posts and tweets with lots of hashtags and handles. 
that's noisy. If the content you're publishing isn't performing well or at all, don't keep publishing just because social media is free. Janet, that one's for you. So <laughs> Sylvie, talk to us about this. I, I, I have to tell you all, I have a show I do. I, I, I'm not going to tell you which show it is. I have 10 series right now, but I have one that is being recorded off air. And then it's posting about a week later when they decide it's part of their campaign to promote the show. And one of the guests decided to promote it as a live show. They knew it wasn't live. They knew it wasn't ready. They knew it wasn't dropping for a week. And they posted, listen to so-and-so and so-and-so live on Voice America Radio and all podcast stations where you get your content. They knew it wasn't live. There were no links. There was nothing to go to. I saw it. I absolutely flipped out because the people who did it did it on purpose and it had absolutely no purpose other than to say that it didn't even say coming in a week they just said listen live and they gave the date and it the date was right now and it was completely wrong and they did it anyway and I still am trying to unravel why somebody Mike do you have any insight why somebody would say this is live they don't give any links and and it's not even live it's not even existing yet any thoughts these are professional marketers, by the way. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I like the notion, the idea of creating some anticipation if you've got something cool coming around. So if you could do that. But I think they just pressed the button at the wrong time there. That's all. <laughs> I, I'm going to give them, I'll give them the, I'll give them the gracious pass then. So Sylvie, let's talk about this. Don't be the noise. Don't cram with post hashtags and handles and on and on and on and on and on. I think that's been the, the mode recently is everything has to be hashtagged. Everything has to be, you have to tag everybody in every post you do on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. So we're not talking about Facebook today. Sylvie, talk to us about the noise, please. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, uh, it's very much what uh, Janet and Mike have been talking about uh, this whole time. But, you know, if you think about the value of influencer marketing, um, they very much, you know, come from a storytelling point of view. Um, Yes, they are paid, but they do have a bit more, um, or they're given a bit more um, of a leverage in terms of what they're selling because uh, of their status. Um, And that's what makes them so, uh, so good at what they do. And, you know, they know how to post things well, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, whatnot, um, and using a bunch of hashtags and posting just a lot isn't really going to do much for you. It's just making, to go to your metaphor, Sylvie, and by the way, I liked your metaphor about the building the boat. And and it is a work in progress, right, Mike? Right, Janet? So, social media is still a work in progress. It's still evolving. People figure, the fact that we're having this conversation, Sylvie, the fact of you're building the boat while you're sailing it, we're still trying to figure it out. And the changing values, the changing listening and viewing habits of the audience, the changing demographics of the audience. One day they like storytelling. One day they want infographics, Mike. One day they want an attachment of a 500-page PDF. And it. how do you know? So let's go around the table about the noise, just the idea of attaching a lot of noisy stuff. Janet, you are right now virtually sitting next to Sylvia. You may not be aware of it, but I just informed you. We're almost at the end of the show, so let's make this fast. Two minutes for Janet, two for Mike, and then we'll wrap. Go ahead, Janet. Yeah, I got, you know, it still goes back to quality over quantity. I mean, really, you're, you're, even the posting, the quality goes down when you have it like a whole bunch of hashtags. One of my biggest pet peeves is seeing all those hashtags that can go on Instagram. It's okay if they're on Instagram because that's, that's the way Instagram works. But don't be putting that over on Facebook and LinkedIn. That is one of my biggest pet peeves that you can tell somebody do- doesn't know what they're doing with social media if the- if they just post right over. Same exact thing over to Facebook and LinkedIn. So I do agree with what you're saying. I also want to talk about like the shifts that have- we've been seeing as well. Mm-hmm. The shifts that we've been seeing are everything's moving to video and real content. Like Um, live content, authentic, authentic is a big thing. So reels, for instance, right now, what is getting the most reach on Instagram that that algorithm is reaching the most reels? What's launching over on Facebook now? Reels. So 
the shifts are changing and we have to change along with that. So we don't want to just be noisy. We need to move with what's happening and what, well, I guess as marketers, we use that to overcome the algorithm, but <laughs> that's that's a whole different thing. But everybody needs to do that shift. And so you mentioned influencers and influencers are grasping with and moving with the reels and stories and that kind of thing. So we need to embrace that. Thank you, Janet. Good point. Mike, you get the last word. I've got three and a half minutes left to the show. So two minutes with Mike, and then we'll do a quick predictions round. Mike, go ahead. Uh, first thing I have to say is I love the analogy of building the boat, but I've met many sailors, people in the Navy. Never once has any one of them said to me, ahoy, matey. Now, people <laughs> talk like a pirate day. Arg, arg, matey, arg, Whatever it was. That's Sylvie. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, so, so I get it. I mean, I understand that like when Twitter first started the whole idea of a hashtag and do this, and it was kind of cool because you were just figuring the whole thing out. Now I just see one sentence somewhere. It doesn't matter where on social media and then next to it's hashtag this hashtag that hashtag the other at this at that there's more of these things appended to this one sentence i'm thinking what's the one sentence supposed to mean if there's a better explanation of what you're trying to say just put the hashtag and i'll click on that and go over there kind of thing you know so so yeah i do think that um it is necessary to think more about what am i trying to say to the person reading this as opposed to look i'm trying to demonstrate and understand social media um, and then the other thing is, uh, yeah, I think Janet's right on with this, uh, and I certainly know this myself. I spend a lot of time working in Asia, and sometimes they're a bit behind, but sometimes they're way ahead. And streaming in Asia is really big, and that's why I think video, real time, and then the whole thought, authentic thing. Um, I, we'll leave this with just this one notion, as I usually do. Everybody says that to be cool on social media, you need to be authentic. And brands are trying so hard to do that without realizing their people, their audience are the most unauthentic people in the world. They're using <laughs> pictures of themselves from 10 years ago. They're saying things about themselves that are not true. <laughs> Tell brands, here's a great idea. Teach your audience how to be authentic. <laughs> Mike, right on. On the money, you are so genuine. Mike Mike Rian is the real deal. You are as authentic <laughs> as they get because you speak your mind and you're telling the truth. We don't really have time for predictions, but I'm going to invite you on another show, all of you, to talk about predictions. I want to say thank you. This was not the show we had planned, right, Sylvie? Sylvie wrote a wonderful opening, and I like the building the boat metaphor. And Arg Madeon, I had... I had a little trouble with that too, but Sylvia is very creative and we appreciate your bringing your creativity to this. Janet E. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you, you and all the work you do and you're a real pro and I love the background. Absolutely. Janet matched her outfit to the background pink for those of you who don't see the video and it's just lovely i haven't seen anybody on brand there you on go. brand i haven't I, seen anybody coordinate <laughs> and my brand is my my alternate name is aka radio red and yes as much as this costs and this and this yes brand also and mike blah 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 i think your t-shirt mike says it's the transcript for you <laughs> <laughs> oh oh dear i want to say thank you to kirsten boylow the sponsor i think we're in season seven yes we're finished up season seven. I'm looking forward to season eight next year, one of our longest running game change show, changer shows. I want to say thank you to Aaron Keller at Voice America. Everybody say thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, our Thanks, intrepid Aaron. engineer. He was 26 when he started working with me three years ago. He's 62 now, and we're working on that. He goes, <laughs> I put him through his paces. Thank you all very much, Bonnie D. Graham, signing off for another very, very lively edition. I hope you all learned something, and we're not going to put a hashtag on this. Hashtag great radio. There you go, Mike. Changing the game with digital engagement. We'll see you again soon. Be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.